0: Welcome to Future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, and together we'll explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Future of XYZ is presented in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. We're joined by Heather Hiscox, who's going to be speaking with us about a very big topic, the future of social impact. Heather, thanks so much for joining us on Future of XYZ. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, your background is fascinating. We, of course, met at a women, uh, world-changing women event that was put on by Conscious Capital Media back in the day um, prior to the pandemic. We've stayed in touch, and I've been really eagerly watching your work because you've been in social impact and social innovation for a very long time. You have both a BA in sociology as well as your master's in public health from the University of Arizona. You're you're living in like climate change, Arizona right now, as we speak, you know, kind of over 110 degrees every day for the last three weeks. Um, But you've done a lot in this space. You have a consulting firm, Pause for Change, of which you're, you know, the founder and CEO. We'll talk about that work. Um, You host a, a conversation with social impact leaders and change makers called the Possibility Project. And you recently in February came out with a book that we'll talk about, which is really about no more status quo and providing tools for action. I think with that background, even though social impact is such a big and broad topic, you know, you come at it from a lot of different perspectives and having worked with a lot of big companies and governments and all sorts of things. So I want to ground down the first question always. Given your background, what is the definition of social impact that we're going to be kind of relying on in our conversation today?
1: Yeah, how I think about social impact is that there's an intersection of key areas in our communities and our society that, that participate in social change. So I really focus on nonprofits, local governments, and philanthropy. So looking at foundations, donors, Um, And philanthropy and what that looks like and what some of those challenges and opportunities are local government. You know, what's happening at the local state county levels and how that's impacted by federal and and, and even international at some points. And then what's happening with nonprofits and brand new grassroots led, you know, real spunky, brand new, full of energy, new life nonprofits. And the ones that have been around forever are affiliates of major national organizations There's so much, like you said, variation. But I really like to, when I think about social impact, to really focus on those three areas. Um, Which I really
0: appreciate because, you know, obviously I'm on the corporate side um, and thinking about the role of business in driving social impact is my lens and where the dollars. But of course, what you're talking about is actually kind of where the policies get made, where things get implemented, where the dollars are moved from largely, historically, especially. And I would argue where there's this very ripe possibility. And I don't know how you feel about it, but like for public private partnerships to, to really kind of drive, drive an agenda forward. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, I think about like there's so many topic areas, especially given your expertise in nonprofit government and philanthropy right? But thinking even the, they're not different than they are for business. Um, what what fundamentally are the topic areas that social impact either includes and or excludes at this point in the conversation in 2023?
1: I mean, when I think about how we're creating social change and social good, a lot of it's policy. Who has their hands on a policy? Who is dictating how money flows, who's dictating um, you know laws and how these different elements come together at the at the local level. Everything is local. It really is. It's really local. So I really think about it in terms of, you know, what is what is happening with policy, what's happening programmatically? There's so much that um, becomes such a fad. There's such a growth and expansion of different fads that cross into social impacts. So that really that really impacts what's happening and what the conversations are. So if we're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and you saw that in corporate, right? A huge increase and now massive backpedaling, which has been happening over the past couple of years. And what's that about? And then huge changes in policy and political conversations at a national level are affecting you know, institutions locally. Um, what's happening with people? and internal processes. What's happening with internal stakeholders right right now is fascinating because you're seeing in a corporate with people wanting to work remote, people really wanting more empathetic workplaces, people wanting different leaders. Being like benefits
0: and paid leave that in America, we're one of four countries in the world that has none of, right?
1: Yes. And we're having those conversations of social impact as well. And then what's happening... You know, practice wise, what are the expectations for where social impact should be now? Is really similar to what we're saying in corporate America. What are the expectations for how businesses should have, you know, multiple bottom lines where they should be thinking about externalities and thinking about the planet, and thinking about their people and their power and, and the privilege and all those different things in different ways. So, while a lot of people like to create this dichotomy of like corporate and social good, there's And they all exist in the same society. So there's going to be similar trends and changes and shifts and things that people want. And they can be taken from each of those multiple sectors. Uh, So I don't see them as separate. I just don't know if corporate is really here to save us. (laughs) I don't know if CSR is really going to create these sea changes. I don't know if some of these other sort of well-intentioned um programs are, are really going to make a big difference. But they're not not until
0: capitalism fundamentally shifts, which is unlikely in our in our lifetime. It's looking it's looking less and less likely. But yes. but to your point, I mean, there is accountability that comes out of these other sectors. There's guidance for those corporations who want to lean in. Um that comes from government obviously, but also from the nonprofit and philanthropy sectors. So where you're you're trying to work to have that sea change, as you said, everything is local, I think is really personate. I mean, we're looking at an increasingly complex and fast changing world, which presents a, a significant amount of challenges, both in terms of the inequities at the human social level, but also obviously at the planetary, climate, species level. Um, I, I'm I'm curious, you know, how you think about um This sector and social impact kind of keeping up with the pace of change that we're seeing in order to really get ahead, because it's not mitigation at the moment, right? It really has to always be social impact in its essence should always be future folks.
1: Yes, I think we're being pushed in ways we've never been pushed before you know, how I come at the work is around problem solving, because that's why people join the sector. They want to change the world. They want to make the world a better place. But how we go about doing that is deeply flawed, because we are using such stale skills to do that. We're not incorporating innovation thinking. We're not incorporating even new versions of models like human centered design. We're not we're just not doing that. And there are some folks that I like to hang out with most that are really at the leading edge of shifting futures and thinking like world building and all this really cool stuff but there's such a huge part of the sector that is really stuck in like 1980s practices right so it's just it's fascinating that there's such variability and i think that keeping up with the speed of change yes is so important but also that urgency is what also is decimating the ability to make social change because if we're rushing around we're not taking care of ourselves. We're not taking care of our communities. We're not having time to be thoughtful and critically connected. Um, we're not using those really important leadership skills of being empathetic and using our critical thinking and all of that to take a step back and treating our work as part of an ecosystem to understand that the ripples we create over here are not isolated and unique. They cause change across the entire community experience. So that's where the speed and the responsiveness gets a little tricky because, yes, we saw with COVID, like responsiveness was key. People were hungry. People were in need in different ways. But with that, I think we unintentionally created some even new uh, problematic behaviors along the way. And so I think we need to get regrounded and refocused and reset it as a sector in many ways.
0: I think it's fascinating. I mean, I'm hearing two things. One is um, perhaps that Passion doesn't equal transformation or impact. Um, it, 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 which I think is true, and I think that's like the the challenge of youth always is like I feel so passionately, therefore there will be change. And of course, problems are somewhat intractable um, sometimes, right? Or, or change is slow um, and and challenging. I, I think given the work that you do, one of the really interesting questions, and you were just talking about the tools and the skills and design thinking and agile, you know, practices or lean practices and really incorporating innovation and, uh, and modeling from from really the private sector and the design world um, mm-hmm. into social impact. But in addition to that, how are some of the greatest thinkers and and doers in this space really fighting against what we'll call our unconscious or uncalled out biases and positionalities that are Frankly, driving a lot of the bad behavior and keeping us, you know, really stuck, stuck backwards and not able to move forward.
1: Mm-hmm. I think people are having conversations around accountability a lot more than we ever had. I think before the sector was relying on its altruism and its intentionality of doing good and kind of this sort of like white evangelical missionary intention of doing good without understanding all of the colonizer mentality that comes with that. And so I think there's really different conversations that are happening within this sector. There's a calling out and calling in about, you know, eighty percent of leaders are older white folks in the sector. So that's it's it's really similar again to what you're seeing in corporate and access issues and conversations um and the microaggressions and what that looks like on a daily basis for for employees and staff of color and not even talking about the dichotomy and differences between leaders within organizations and the communities they're intended to serve, right, highly problematic. But I'm seeing a lot more of those conversations coming up, where organizations are understanding, you know, where where did our money come from, from this these foundation dollars and family foundations and what they're giving. Where did that money come from, and how can they divest in different ways? People challenging donor advice fund structures that are just warehousing billions of dollars, right? Even into the trillions in some cases. Government policy is having different conversations of what are we doing in restricting the flow of money, right? Because money can do so much good. And what are we doing in terms of reporting? So there's just, I think there's a lot more in conversations that are really different than we even were having five years ago, even pre-COVID where people are just being held to a different standard and they need to have awareness of what these conversations are. They can't just put their head down and say, I'm feeding people, I'm doing good. It's not enough. It's not not enough. enough. You have to understand what's happening in your ecosystem, what's happening in the sector overall, and what are some of those new ways to show up differently to make greater impact in different ways. So you wrote this book, Um, that
0: that just came out in February. Um, And the book is called No More Status Quo, A Proven Framework to Change the Way We Change the World. And in it, you're exploring how people, individuals, and especially organizations can work differently to address uncertainty and create deeper social impact while actually being efficient from a business resource, human capital uh, perspective. There are things that you're talking about, these like Good intentions and designing in silos and not necessarily being accountable to the communities you so-called serve. Who did you write this book for specifically? And 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 really, I mean, I guess the fundamental question, Heather, that I'm getting to is: in a world that is so fast moving and has so many challenges, who needs to learn how to have social impact? Is this a small subsegment of the? government and the philanthropies and the family offices and and you know and the and the NGOs or is everyone needing to kind of learn these skills in order to like change the world for the better.
1: Oh, I, I would say everyone, not just from like a book marketing perspective <laughs> or like and a reach, but pausing is something we rarely do. Like so that that's what I call the framework and, and that's why I called my consulting practice Pause for Change and that's where Nomos uh, School came from is that We rarely stop to notice and to assess if we are actually making change. And we're not asking those questions of ourselves and of our work and of our organizations. So I think every organization, every person that works in social impact could really benefit. I mean, people have said they apply it to their lives and and in navigating uncertainty of, you know, really understanding the key stakeholders, understanding their unknowns, getting more empathetically connected trying out potential solutions before going deep and big into some of those investments. But I think anyone can use it because it just, it gives people permission to not know the answer. And that is really uncommon in the sector. You are writing the grant. You're supposed to know exactly how everything's going to work out over the next year of funding. You have all these expectations, similar to with government, right? You know exactly how your policy is going to impact community, but we don't. We do not know the answer and we do not know the outcome, but we're expected to have this figured out, and it, which is ridiculous because we're working in such complexity of humans,
0: right? And, it, they, and you just talked about externalities, which is a word I love, but not everyone knows. It's It's thinking about the systemic, right? The holistic systems level, kind of global holistic approach to something, whatever that something is. Uh, whether it's organizations or, you know, local cities or towns or whatever. I mean, they, these are really um, integrated and interconnected challenges. So as you say, we don't know what the downstream or upstream effect of one action might be.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we I don't want to fall into the scarcity trap that we have in social impact, that we only have so many resources, we only have so much time, so many people Um because we have such abundance that we don't even recognize. But what is also happening within social impact is we're using those precious resources very unwisely. We're making these massive bets and investments on unproven techniques and tactics that were never co-designed with the stakeholders who are supposed to be you know, served. And so that's, that's part of the impetus of really wanting more and more people to be exposed to this framework and into the book is that With really quick ways in a matter of hours and weeks, people can really know what will actually work and won't instead of wasting a year of grant funding, you know, millions of dollars every moment across all of social impact. And it's it's a little bit overwhelming when you think about just in one community, how I was seen behind the curtains of so many different communities to see what's happening and to know at scale how much money is just going down the drain and not helping anyone and creating further distrust and further disconnection and disengagement with community. So that's the thing that like, that's my fire. That's what really gets me going is like, there is a better way. You just have to slow down for a minute and listen and try, and you will be transformed. You will not be able to go back.
0: Uh, It's a, it's a, it's a red thread that's coming through a lot of my um, socially impactful conversations on this program. Um, where it's almost like a cognitive behavioral therapy pause. And and I heard it first in The Future of Urban Violence, um, where you're really teaching, you know, the most at-risk young people, like, to just create a pause before. Like, I mean, you really need a 10-second pause, and the outcomes of their lives can be fundamentally altered. Um, and I'm, it's interesting, Future of Empathy a few weeks ago, and now this. I mean, it's interesting that this keeps coming up, which is like, Our world is going faster and faster. How do we slow down enough to kind of think and reflect? Yes, yeah. It's very interesting. It's it's, it's yeah. You're you're having these conversations. I mean, you're having this, um, you know, your 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 I think it's a podcast, but um as well, the possibility projects with online online talk shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but it's a conversation series in any case. Um One of the questions that you ask is, what dysfunction do you want to see disappear? And you're asking this of social impact leaders and change makers. In the answers that you have gleaned, you know, what dysfunction in society do you want to see disappeared? It's a profound question. What do you take away some of the highlights of what are the most intractable challenges we're facing? And what are the things that are giving you the greatest hope right now?
1: I would say, you know, some of the the biggest through lines that I see is that it's, it's so hard to hold those multiple truths and multiple tensions. And that creates such anxiety and such pain and frustration at the individual and collective level, right? To say like, well, this can be true, but this can be true and that can be true. And it's just hard for us to integrate that knowledge into our minds. And then, you know, the people that I have on the on the different episodes are asking really much deeper questions, really more bold questions in terms of is this even the world we want? Yes, yeah, some of them are saying here's some tactics to operate in what we have now but I would say what I find most inspiring from the episodes and which it comes up often is what could a world look like if we sort of started over, like this world building and the speculative design and futures thinking and plur- plural, plural, plural I guess the plural verse the pluralism all these different ways of thinking about multiple existences and experiences at once i think that is really the coolest part of what i'm seeing emerge in some of those conversations there are conversations where we are pissed and there are such power challenges i think that's another huge thing like power is at the root of most of this work and there's such beauty and light And so that's why i asked the two questions what dysfunction do you want to disappear and what's emerging that gives you hope so there's that hope piece and then the dysfunction piece around power and hoarding of that power and control and those systems and mechanisms or that's the tough part because that's the stuff that has to be acknowledged as being intentionally designed and created that way and how do we then remove those building blocks how do we tear it apart well, we still have to operate in it. I think that's the key tension. It I want to repeat the people it. who have the power are the ones who ultimately have to let go of it. So,
0: or it haven't be taken. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then how do you want to burn it all to the ground, but you still have to show up every day to do the work oh. and function within the existing structures? It's, oh, it's tricky, but I think that's where the beauty lies. The beauty is in the tension.
0: Well, that's, I mean, it's obvious that you have huge passion. I felt it the first time that we ever met and and, and sat around chatting, um, as, as we think about wrapping up, I've um, uh, before the last question, when you think in this work of social impact into the future, five to 10 years, so not a particularly long time horizon, and yet at the pace of change that we're going at, lots can change. What are the innovations or disruptions that excite you the most or are the things that you see coming down the
1: pipeline? Mm. If the stuff that excites me most is like the stuff I want to learn more about of you know what's the definition of a stakeholder and how do we take it beyond the humans that live in this space right like the leaders the middle management the staff the community members that live in these different areas there's really interesting work that's happening that's again talking about externalities in terms of like planetary influence right what's happening with like larger the, the literal ecosystem you know what's happening with waters waterways having rights in new Zealand. Fascinating stuff, right? So that that I think is really interesting, and I think those new conversations are pulling the whole sector in new ways. And these conversations are being led by younger folks, uh, women of color, um, trans LGBTQ folks, right, and um, disabled folks that represent that community. I think it's the voices that we haven't had prominent in social like, a new we- generation, new generation. So I think that is a most exciting. Like I, I, I cannot wait to dive in and see what keeps emerging because some of them are early in their practice. They're just starting their consulta- consultancies. They're just starting their frameworks. They're going to put it into place with all of their clients that they're working with in many different ways. And they're going to have, you know, those lessons learned that we all get to have. And they're going to be able to continually integrate and I hope share those lessons widely. So I think that's what we're going to keep seeing more of. That's my hope over the next 10 years. We just have this new, new voices that they're, bear- to really bring us to the new future. I love it.
0: Yeah. And I always close. I mean, I think in and I think this is an important one in the context of the future of social impact in 20 years time. So we're looking basically, um, you know, let's call it 2045 ish. you know, um, which seems like it should be a long way off. But as we know, it happens really fast. What is, what is your greatest hope? And perhaps it's tied to these new voices that emerge, but what's your greatest hope for the future of social impact? I think
1: I have two, multiple ways of thinking about it. So the part of me thinks not a lot will change because the power structures are so deep. The systems are so deep. And so I have a realistic view of, okay, it's going to take a bit, right? And there are people that have lived generations and generations before me who had these identical conversations who fought who who stood in the street with signs who influenced policy who had these conversations maybe not on zoom but in different ways right so i understand that i am part of long 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 legacy of folks that have been doing this work so i have some reality of where i am in the universe right but then the other part of me thinks that there's always a push And there's always this desire for new and there's such opportunity. And I've seen it with my own work of changing policies can really make huge differences. I think that's the exciting part to me is that all of our work creates ripples. Most of them we will never know. We won't know the power of a conversation. We won't know the shift in a policy. We won't know a really thoughtfully designed program that's co-creating, co-crafted in such honor and connection that stuff is just it's so powerful that it's it's a limitless so i think that's that's where i kind of live in both of those worlds of like, like things will never and anything is possible that's so that's,
0: it, it i totally i totally appreciate that i joke all the time that i'm like i've called myself an optimistic nihilist which is like i'm optimistic and hopeful and i totally am a realist that accepts like it's all going to shit so i think uh <laughs> I think we have to hold the tension, and I appreciate you're doing the work that you're doing to 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 help people think differently about how they can make change and have impact. Um, so thank you for joining us on Future of XYZ, Heather. Thank you so much. Thanks. Um, and for everyone watching, uh, you can find this also as a podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast. So find Future of XYZ and be sure to leave us a five-star review. If you're listening on podcast, you can also find our podcast as videocast at ripbs.org forward slash XYZ, uh, brought to you by our partners at the Rhode Island PBS. Um, you also should follow us on Instagram. And if you want to nominate yourself or a guest or learn more uh, about the program or myself, feel free to visit future ofxyz And we will look forward to seeing you in two weeks' time. Heather Hiscox, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks.